Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. and welcome to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am your host. Welcome back to our mobile series. We're uh, in the studio. We're trying to wrap up as many uh, mobile episodes as we possibly can before we end up uh, leaving out from down here. Uh, I'd like to remind y'all to go by the website and uh, take a look. We've got some new things going on there. It's uh, rfpodcast.info stroke podcast with a capital P. rfpodcast.info stroke podcast with capital P. And um, check out the site. Check out the gal wearing the Heil headset. Uh, while you're there, consider dropping us a donation to help us with server fees and that kind of stuff or uh, click on the Amazon link go on through to Amazon.com make your purchases and every little bit uh, every purchase y'all make we get a little bit uh, to help things out on this end alrighty as I've said in the past there won't be any uh, feedback on this episode because it's a mobile episode, and I don't have access to the feedback and that kind of stuff. So, we'll get right on to the topic. Topic this time was, uh, well, a few months back, I was uh, perusing the uh, ARRL's website, and they had finally decided to acknowledge another operating system uh, other than Windows and uh, their veiled references to Apple uh, to uh, OS 10, they have finally decided to acknowledge the Linux operating system. Now, for those of y'all that listen to the other show, y'all already know this, but in my house, or at least in my radio room, we are primarily Linux. And one of the reasons we're primarily Linux is not so much because it doesn't cost $200 a copy and we don't have to jump through all kinds of security hoops to get it up and running and it's not even the fact that we don't have to spend all day doing an install on it because the last install I did took about an hour and a half it's because Linux falls in more in line with amateur radio philosophy Uh, It is also much easier to work with and get things done. But the reason we're talking about it in this context or on this show is because it makes sense 
and since we are amateur radio operators, we always want to uh, do what will work best for us. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not a rabid Linux guy, so I'm not going to tell you you should use Linux and only Linux and nothing else. In fact, quite frankly, if you use an OS 10 that's working for you, more power to you. I have definite problems with that other operating system. However, those are my problems, or have been my problems. They're probably your problems too, but I'm not going to get into it. So, the misconception about Linux is that it's difficult to work with. That you have to know all this esoteric stuff, computer-wise, to be able to work with it. Now, in the past, that was the case. And even today, there are some Linux distributions and varieties of Linux are referred to as distributions because they're all made by different people with different goals in mind. But there are some Linux distributions out there that you build from the ground up. Uh, Gen 2 Linux and Arch Linux are two that come to mind. But on the other end of the spectrum, there's been a big push uh, over the last few years to make Linux distributions that are more desktop friendly. Meaning that somebody who's been using Windows or has been using OS X can sit down and load up these distributions as their primary operating system and use them easily without a lot of problems. Things that are on that end of the spectrum, uh, Linux Mint, uh, Fedora, which is Red Hat based, and Ubuntu, which is the one I use primarily. It's uh, uh, There are some things that are can be twitchy about it, but that's the one they mentioned actually in the, at the AWRL website. Now, why would we want to use Linux? Well, as amateur radio operators, you know, we really hate taking our primary machine, the one we send our email on, uh, the one that we may keep work records on, our household finances and stuff like that. We hate taking that computer and then throwing on top of it amateur radio software. With an operating system like Linux, which you can go out and find a distribution which is lighter and faster, you can go with older equipment and still get reasonably good performance out of that equipment, which means you can pick up some old junker that you find in uh, at a garage sale or uh, a thrift store or someplace like that, and take it home, load it up with a cop copy of some of the distributions, which would be, take a little more work, and have a working system. Uh, there are some out there that are so small that you can put them on a thumb drive, 
and plug them in and boot off the thumb drive and run them that way. And most distributions nowadays come as they have a what's called a live CD, which allows you to boot the operating system and use it and play with it and never affect anything on your hard drive. And if you like it, then you have the option to install it. If you don't like it, you take the disc out, you throw it away, you boot back into Windows. Now, one of the concepts involved in uh, Linux, and I know we're going over a lot of stuff, we'll get to the amateur radio stuff in a minute, but one of the major concepts is freedom. Now, when people talk about free software, you're thinking about something like Ham Radio Deluxe, or, I don't know, WinPSK, or... You know, stuff like that. Uh, the free version, AGWPE, for those of you that are packet guys. And even WinLink. You know, you can get some of the WinLink software and put on your machine, and it don't cost, cost you nothing to do that. But the, the whole point is... People always think of free software as software you don't have to pay for. And in the case of Linux, software is a double-edged sword. Uh, not only is it free of charge, in most cases, there are some distros where you pay a little bit of money. Uh, in the case of the big enterprise editions, you know, like businesses use, yes, those cost money. But what you're primarily paying for is technical support, which is what you get from Windows. And, uh, in fact, in the ones where you don't get tech support, a tech support line, they have a very strong community or group of users that have very active uh, places to ask questions. And whereas... When I first got started with it, it was read the manual, read the manual. Now they're coming like, coming around to be more ham, ham radio-like. They're more interested in helping you out with your problems. In fact, they're very good about it. Uh, I have never found a need where I would need technical support because I can always go ask a question and somebody will tell me. Not just with Linux, but with... Uh, some of the uh, audio players that run open source will run play open source files uh, like AUG. So, in the case of freedom, we're talking about two things. We're talking about free of charge, and then we're talking about the other free, as in freedom of speech. You can take this software and modify it and change it and do what you want to with it. Because unlike uh, proprietary software like Apple software and Windows software, um, it's yours, pretty much. You can go make changes to it. You can make copies of it and give it to your friends. You can do whatever you want to with it. And the only real requirement is when, if you make a change that is useful, and you decide to put that uh, change out into the public, that you 
turn it back to the community where other people can see it and use it and maybe modify it themselves. I had somebody had somebody describe it to me. Uh, um, they were talking about Linux versus some of the other operating systems. And he said, uh, you know, as an amateur radio operator, you wouldn't, uh, for the most of us, wouldn't buy a radio that we couldn't take a cover, take the cover off of and make modifications if we needed to. That the uh, schematics for the radio were unavailable. And it's getting that way more and more nowadays with some radios. But it is truth. Um, a lot of people buy an HF rig, and after they've had it a while, they go and add some filters to it or uh, open it, uh, clip something inside to open up the uh, receive on it or all kinds of stuff. And this is the kind of stuff you can do with Linux. And nobody's saying, you know, go throw it on and do everything. Because, like I said, there are uh, versions that are geared more towards the desktop user. And I can tell you right now that if I took a copy of Linux Mint and put it on my wife's computer, she wouldn't know the difference until she tried to log on to one of the sites where uh, she got a cookie uh, doing her log on for her and it wasn't there. So now we've talked about Linux long enough and let's shift it over into the amateur radio a little bit. On the amateur radio side, there are plenty of good amateur radio utilities, programs you can use on Linux. Now, if you're running on an older machine with a lighter desktop, and that kind of stuff, it, it's helpful to have all this stuff available. And once again, you don't have to go out searching the entire World Wide Web for this software because Linux package moves everything into a package repository, a central location, where when you open up the software manager, you can see everything that's in that repository. And in the case of Debian-based uh, distributions, which would include Linux Mint, Ubuntu, um, when you click on the amateur radio section, there is a good, fairly extensive list of amateur radio software in there. There are CW train, training programs, there are satellite programs, there's logging programs, uh, programs for running digital modes. Uh, there's still an old packet BBS program that's still in the repositories, which uh, uh, the guy quit maintaining for about 10 years, but he's back to it now. And in fact, it's the software that my father and I ran when we were running uh, packet hubs here in DFW for the worldwide packet network back when that was going big guns. There's rig control programs and stuff like that. And uh, I'm only going to talk about a few of these programs because it would take far too much time to include them all. But for the most part, I just recently uh, did an interview or was involved in an interview 
with uh, the guy that writes a program called FL Digi. Now, FL Digi um, is a it's a program for doing digital modes, and it has quite a few of the more common modes and some of the ones that are just starting to uh, come up. And in fact, it's got a couple that have been around for a long time. I know that uh, Hellschreiber, it will do Hellschreiber. Uh, of course, it'll do PSK in uh, many, many variants. But it will also do things like Throb, which is something that you may not have heard of. Uh, I haven't actually heard any on the air, but I'm told it's out there. Olivia. Uh, which the league also, there was an article in the, uh, in QST sometime last year about Olivia. And, uh, I mean, it'll even do ready. So, you really, you really kind of got it all with the FL Digi, and it is feature rich. Let me tell you, it is very feature rich. And it will also allow you to log your programs. Uh, use an external logger or a couple of external loggers can be used with it. Uh, it will do rig control uh, direct from the program without a separate program. And the thing that is really going to be a kick in the pants for you Windows guys is that a big chunk of FL Digi is inside of HRD. Or uh, that side program, whatever it is, DM, whatever. Um and unfortunately, that's something that doesn't get publicized too heavily. And if you haven't actually spent a lot of time on the uh, Ham Radio Deluxe site, uh, you probably wouldn't know that. But there is a big chunk of this program in Ham Radio Deluxe. So we can see that this this is free software. Because Ham Radio Deluxe is written, I think, in... Uh, Oh, what is it? Visual Basic or Visual Studio or something? It's locked up and proprietary, and you're never going to see the source code on it. Uh, the, on the other hand, FL Digi, when you get FL Digi, you, there's no problem getting the source code if you want it. And if you are a C++ programmer, you can go in there and make changes to it. In fact, uh, field day two years ago, I walked up on the... Uh, trailer at the Ham Association of Mesquites Field Day. When I got inside, lo and behold, there was a guy with a Windows laptop running FL Digi. Yes, it will run on Windows also. And he would use it for a little bit, then he would shut it down, he would make a change to the code, he would recompile it, and fire it back up and run it for a little while longer. He was sitting there making changes to the program, uh, at field day to make it work best for him. And I don't want to turn this into a show about FL Digi because I think we will do a show on FL Digi. But that's just one of the programs available in the repository. Now, there are other programs that are not in the repositories. You can be guaranteed that whatever is in the repositories um, is going to work for you. It has gone through a process of uh, uh, verification and being checked out so that it can be included in the software repositories for whatever distribution you run. 
and I know for sure that it's that amateur radio software is in the Debian base. I've been told that uh, SUSE Linux also has amateur radio programs in their repositories, and I've heard a rumor that the Red Hat based stuff like uh, CentOS and Fedora also have that information, have those uh, programs in them. Uh, as far as, I mean, even satellite tracking, there's three different satellite tracking programs in the repository and that kind of stuff. But if you have to go look for something outside, if there's something you need um, in amateur radio that is not provided in these package repositories, there are plenty of places out there to go find it. Uh, there are places like SourceForge, there are people who run their own independent websites, FLDigi, uh, even though I believe it's in the repositories, uh, has his own website uh, where you can not only get that, but other stuff that he's been working on. Uh, CQR Log, which is the logging program that I like because it's pretty feature-rich. It's not a contest logger, it's a real big deal logging program but that's one of the ones that will also work with FLDigi if you log when it goes when you go get it set up when you go to log a contact it logs it in CQR log and you can go find it it's uh, ready to go it can be installed very similarly to a, a Windows install you go in there you download it you click a button and there it is um, there are other programs that you can get that might take a little bit more work to get in into your machine and working. But the whole point is, uh, tinkering is what some of us like to do, and there's stuff you can tinker with for sure. But I digress. Um, <clears throat> there's DX cluster software in the repositories. Uh, most of the uh, logging software allow you to do DX cluster, uh, but if you needed a standalone program for that, I had one that I used quite a bit uh, called XDX. <laughs> Excuse me, called XDX. And uh, it worked really well. So, you see, the whole point is uh, that the software is free there's so many things in the amateur radio that are just so expensive hf rigs and that kind of stuff and computers for the most part you know if you're going to run the top of the line amateur radio uh windows software you're going to have to have some horsepower to run that in the case of uh, linux you really don't need as much horsepower and you can get more bang for your buck so you can take this older equipment, take a computer you've had sitting in the closet, take it back out, load, load a distro on it, and make it happen. Uh, I'll give you all an illustration of that when we get to the end. But there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. One of the newest things out now is D-Star. And I understand it's not super new. It didn't pop up last week. It's been around a couple of years. But... Um, if you don't have a 1.2 gigahertz radio, that ID1, 
you have to deal with low speed data, which low speed is a relative term, uh, 4800 baud, 9600 baud over the air, and you know, that's pretty good. And there's a couple of programs out there for it. But in uh, on the uh, Linux side, and this program run, it, there's a Windows version for this program too. You may have heard of it. It's called DRATS. Now, DRATS is a pretty pretty feature rich uh, D star low speed data terminal. Uh, it'll allow you to uh, build templates for messages and chat one on one and. Uh, just do it. It's come a long way. Dan has really done a lot of work on it. And uh, you go over to the website, you download the Linux version, you extract it, and uh, or unzip it, and you click on the appropriate uh, program, and you're off to the races, just like a Windows install for the most part. And when I say unzip, I mean unzip because most of these programs, if they are compressed to save uh, time and in downloading and stuff, uh, they are compressed with zip. And most of y'all are familiar with that. If you've added a program in Windows that was not a self-extracting file, you've had to unzip it. Nowadays, it's built into Windows, I think. Anyway, and... You know, this is top-of-the-line stuff, and it's under development as we speak. They're constantly doing more stuff to it. And the last time I had a copy of it up, uh, I was not only running the terminal program, I was also running a reflector. Which, for those of y'all that are unfamiliar with reflectors, get with me later. But the whole point is, now we get to the illustration. I have a Dell Latitude laptop that's probably about 12 years old. It was given to me when it was 10 years old. And I took it and worked with it. And the BIOS was locked and I couldn't get into it. And I spent six or seven hours on the phone with Dell trying to get them to help me unlock it. And then I finally went out on the internet and figured, found a, a place that told me how to short one of the chips in it and reset the BIOS. Once I had that done, I had a Dell Latitude laptop with, I think it's got a 10 gig or 20 gig hard drive on it and 256 megs of memory. I went out on the internet, downloaded a copy of uh, or a distro called Crunchbang Linux, which is one of those small, lighter distributions I was talking about. And I loaded it onto that laptop. When I loaded, got it loaded onto the laptop, I decided that I was going to use that laptop for my in-the-field computer. So I wanted to get it set up for uh, HF Digital Communications and D-Star Digital. I have not at this time loaded the uh, HF stuff on there and got it running with HF radio. But I did load the D-Star stuff on there. Copy of D-Rats. And got it up, got it running. It ran the way it wanted and needed to. It 
didn't lag. It ran as fast as uh, any other computer in my radio room at the time. Uh, you'd have thought it was one. Uh, it, it was a one uh, one gigahertz machine, or at least a nine hundred megahertz machine, and it did what I needed to do as long as I didn't overtax it. Now we're talking about a 10, 12 year old laptop. Think about what would happen if that same distribution was put on a brand new one. And I can give you an example of that. A brand new one or a fa almost brand new one that uh, was dual core or ran at uh, three or four gigahertz or, or something. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, machine I used to record the uh, podcast is a dual core. I think it's four gigahertz when you add it all up. And it runs like a scaldy date. It boots in 20 seconds. I'm working, I'm in business and working in 20 seconds. The one I use for my radio work is a 3 gigahertz, 3 gigahertz Dell with about a gig of memory in it. And it comes up just quicker and quick as quick can be and uh, it's ready to go and not only can i do everything that i would do on it radio wise sitting at the computer i can do it from any other computer in the house uh, remote desktop in most cases you have to have a pro version of windows to do remote desktop unless they've changed things and i don't think they have but uh, with these Linux boxes, I can load on, well, I prefer VNC, simply because I don't go outside of my local network doing this kind of stuff. Everything else, everything is firewalled to the outside. So, I can sit at any computer in my house and hook up to that computer via VNC, and I can run... I can change the frequency on my radio, I can run digital modes, uh, Whisper, some of you may be familiar with Whisper, uh, I can change bands on Whisper from anywhere in the house, uh, digital communications, D-Star, whatever I want to do, I can do over my network. So check into Linux. You know, nobody says you have to get married to it. I still have one Windows machine back in the radio room, but the only reason I have it is so I can pull down pod. Um, I can use iTunes to put podcasts on my iPods, which I could do with Linux, but it'd be more work. Um, nobody's saying get married to it, but keep it open as an option. Don't be afraid, because. You be you'll be surprised how easy it is to to use a Linux distribution. <clears throat> you know, it wasn't that easy when I started, but if I walked up on it today, I'd be asking myself why I hadn't been using it before. And it is comparable in most ways to the other two operating systems. In fact, um 
Mac OS X is based on uh, BSD, which is also a Unix variant. It's kind of the kind of a brother or near cousin to Linux. So y'all go check this out. And for those of y'all who want to try, my suggestion would be uh, go with Linux Mint. Mint. M-I-N-T. Linux Mint. And uh, give that a shot. In the case of Ubuntu, Ubuntu will work well. But in some cases, you have to load the codecs for MP3 files and stuff like that. Uh, they may have changed that in the latest version, I don't know. But I would shoot for something like Linux Mint or Fedora or PC Linux OS. One of the one of these one of those would probably be closer to the desktop experience that you're already uh involved in. Now as far as URLs are concerned uh, thank God for Bill, K9WKA, because he will, I'm sure he will get you all some URLs in the show notes. And we have rattled on about Linux. And it's like, I, I'm not sure why I stayed with Windows so long. Even when I changed to Linux, it was ahead of where Windows 3.1.1 was when I first started using Windows. I started using Windows with 3.1.1. Before that, I was a DOS guy. And when I started using Linux in the radio room, it was comparable to Windows 95. But now, it's... In fact, most of the stuff I see in Windows 7 is stuff that Linux was already doing. So y'all go check it out. And let me know if you do try it, try Linux, let me know if uh, what your experiences are. And if you want to find out more about running Linux in your ham shack, I do another show along with uh, K5TUX, uh, Russ. And it's called Linux in the ham shack. Uh, that URL I know. It's uh, lhspodcast.info. lhspodcast.info. Go on over and check out, check out a couple of the shows. We're not always amateur radio over there. Uh, a lot of times we will go off on specifically Linux subjects. But for the most part, uh, we do our best to get some ham radio content in there uh, as often as we can. So y'all go on over and check that out. And uh, like I said, if you download some of these distros and give them a shot, send me some feedback. Let me know how it works out for you. Because I want to tailor, I want to uh, be able to tailor my discussion of Linux for amateur radio to the experiences of the people that I know. You know. If I know what your experiences were, then I can let other people know that that's a possibility in the future. Good, bad, or indifferent. And I think we pretty much wore this out for the most part. So, since this is a mobile episode, let me tell you, go by the website, 
and uh, check out the gal in the Howl headset. Um, see about if you decide to buy anything uh, at Amazon, go ahead and click through from our website. And uh, if you have a little ca a little cash to spare, drop a donation in for server server fees. Every penny you spend, every penny you donate goes straight back into the show. So with that, I think we've pretty much got it covered, except for the website, which is rfpodcast.info stroke podcast with capital P, capital P podcast, uh, rfpodcast.info stroke podcast with capital P. I'm going to put a forwarder on the main site, but some people get upset about that. And um, with that, I guess all that's left to say is send me your feedback. I want to hear what you have to say and what you have to think. Send me your feedback at kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or leave a comment on the website at rfpodcast.info stroke podcast with a capital P. Leave us a comment. Or follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Identica, and or friend feed. I post all four every time I post something or something concerning the show. And at any of those four, I am KB5JBV. So with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, ease on down the road. Uh, Y'all take care of your family, and we'll see you next time. 73.